Martin program. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Mikhail Gorbachev, the last leader of the Soviet Union, died Yesterday, he died at the age of 91. He is reputed to have ended the Cold War without bloodshed, but failed to present the collapse, prevent the collapse of the Soviet Union. And he died. He was the last Soviet president, forged arms reduction deals with the United States and partnerships with Western powers to remove the Iron Curtain that had divided Europe since World War II and bring about the reunification of Germany. But he passed away after a serious and protracted illness, and today on Viewpoint. We take a look at this man, Mikhail Gorbachev. You know, the man with the birthmark on his head that some even thought was the Antichrist? Well, today on Viewpoint, we're going to look at him a little bit differently. In fact, As the world glorifies Gorbachev today, all over the Western world, he is being glorified. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at Mikhail Gorbachev from a somewhat different viewpoint. The man is not necessarily what the Western world and the media are portraying him to be. And we'll find out, in his own words, who he really was what his real thoughts and beliefs were, why he is significant, no question about it, perhaps one of the most significant men in the entire century. He was lauded in the West as the man who helped bring down the Berlin Wall and end the Cold War without bloodshed. Mikhail Gorbachev was widely despised, though, at home, as the gravedigger of the communist Soviet Union. In other words, he not looked upon with much favor by Vladimir Putin, who is trying to resurrect the very thing that Mikhail Gorbachev supposedly destroyed. The former Soviet president, who died at the age of 91, set out to revitalize the sclerotic communist system through democratic and economic reform, it was better, though, his intention to abolish it, contrary to popular thinking and even today, as he's glorified all over the Western world. In August 1991, he survived a coup by hardliners that fell apart after three days, but his authority had been fatally undermined. Four months later, his great rival, Russian President Boris Yeltsin, engineered the breakup of the Soviet Union, and Gorbachev found himself out of a job. This is a man who ruled a superpower. But by the end of his reign, the state had disappeared. After decades of Cold War tension and confrontation, Gorbachev struck nuclear arms deals with the United States and brought the United Na- the Soviet Union closer to the West than at any point since World War II. But he saw 
that legacy destroyed in the final months of his long life as President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine brought Western sanctions crashing down on Moscow. And politicians in both Russia and the West began to speak openly of a new Cold War and the risk of a nuclear World War III. So today on Viewpoint, I welcome you. It's talk that transforms even today. We're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home. Yes, even today, as we talk about the man who presided over the demise of the great Soviet Union. That had been launched by Vladimir, by, by Lenin, and then the steam picked up by Stalin, and then carried on by Khrushchev, in the Great Cold War, in which the United States under John Fitzgerald Kennedy was faced with whether or not the Soviet Union through Cuba would attack the United States with nuclear power. Leading school children all across America instantly to be brought into classes, special classes, Americanism versus communism. Mikhail Gorbachev, a fascinating man who ended his life in the United States. Here was the former president of the Soviet Union who presided over its demise, not intentionally, but perhaps unwittingly, and then found his final years and days in the United States of America. And what was he doing there? You won't hear anybody talk about what Mikhail Gorbachev was doing in America. But we will, right here on Viewpoint. So I'm glad that you've joined us. I really am. Because what we're talking about today has great significance. It's not only a recitation of history. And for many who are not living at that time, who are young and perhaps Uh, don't have any significant emotional connection to what took place there from 1989 to 1991. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that, at least for a period of time, transformed the world. And Mikhail Gorbachev was given the Nobel Peace Prize for what he did in not responding with vicious Soviet-style attacks on the freedom fighters who were seeking to bring about democracy and tearing down the Berlin Wall. You may remember the famous words of President Ronald Reagan when he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. And that's what happened. But Mr. Gorbachev was faced with some very difficult issues at home. Things were not going well in Soviet Russia. The economy was failing. The people were beginning to long for freedom. The tensions were growing greatly. Protestations and demonstrations were becoming the norm. And Mr. Gorbachev began to feel the pressure of it all and began to see that things, indeed, were not going well. What to do? What to do? 
And so he did. What he could do, he had formed different kinds of uh, ideas, pistroika and glasnost and so on, these famous words that were spoken of so many times in the news back in the 1980s. <coughs> but ultimately, they did not carry the day. They didn't carry the day. So who was this man? Well, he was an ex-farm worker with a rolling South Russian accent and a distinctive port wine birthmark on his head that gave notice of his bold ambition soon after winning a Kremlin power struggle in 1985 at the age of 54. With his clever, elegant wife, Raisa, at his side, Gorbachev at first enjoyed massive popular support, but then faced a dramatic test. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The glorification of Mikhail Gorbachev all over the world, particularly the Western world. He's being glorified today as one of the great heroes of mankind. He received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1990-91 for his efforts to dissolve the Cold War and the Soviet Union and to avoid massive Soviet-style Retribution against the freedom fighters, both in Germany and in many other of the uh, republics of the uh, Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. But on April, in April of 1986, he faced a dramatic test. When a nuclear power station exploded in Ukraine, it's known as Chernobyl. Authorities tried at first to hush up the disaster. Gorbachev pressed on, describing the tragedy as, tragedy as a symptom of rotten and secretive system. And so, Chernobyl became a, shall we say, a symbol of many things, including this very day in Ukraine as Russia and Ukrainian powers are screaming at each other regarding the massive nuclear reactor there in Ukraine that each seems to be in a position of either shelling or trying to protect against shelling to avoid another Chernobyl. Would history repeat itself? I don't know, and I hope not in that regard. <clears throat> but as Pro-democracy protests were sweeping the communist states of Poland and Hungary and East Germany, Czechoslovakia, Bulgaria, and Romania. The world was holding its breath. With hundreds of thousands of Soviet troops stationed across Eastern Europe, would Moscow turn its tanks on the demonstrators as it did in Hungary in 1956 and Czechoslovakia in 1968? I will never forget it. As a young man... In 1956, 
I was 11 years old, and I will never, ever forget listening to the radio. And I think occasionally I was able to see some of the action on television. As the Soviet Union came crashing into Hungary and destroyed everything in its wake, I will never, ever forget what happened. It has been impressed deeply in the membranes of my mind and my heart, even from age 11 till now. The Soviet Union, an oppressive engineering What word should we use? Effort to rule the world through power. Political power, but military power. With hundreds of thousands of Soviet troops stationed across Eastern Europe, would Moscow again turn its tanks on the demonstrators like it did in 1956 and 68? Gorbachev was under pressure from many to err on the side of force. That he did not seems to be his greatest historic contribution, one that was recognized in 1990 with the award of the Nobel Peace Prize. Gorbachev said that the cost of trying to prevent the fall of the Berlin Wall would have been too high. He said if the Soviet Union had wished, there would have been nothing of the sort and no German unification, but what would have happened? A catastrophe or World War III. Now, isn't it interesting that Mr. Gorbachev did not want the fall of the Berlin Wall? He wanted to preserve the Soviet Union. He wanted to, shall we say, democratize it a bit, but he wanted to preserve the Soviet Union, did not want the unification of Germany. So then why is he eulogized for allowing the Berlin Wall to be torn down? He just basically capitulated to the force of history and said the cost of resisting this is just too great. Will we have World War III? And so he declined. He declined to act in former Soviet style. Foreign Minister Eduard Shevardnadze, a leading reformist ally, resigned dramatically in December of 1990. He warned that hardliners were in the ascendant and a dictatorship was approaching. These were challenging times. These were unbelievable times. This, my friends, was one year before the Lord spoke to my heart in 1992, saying, Son, you've been pleading the cause of men long enough. I want you to plead my cause in the land now. As a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation in America's greatest crisis hour here on the near edge of the second coming. In other words, <clears throat> 90, from the period of 91 to 93, or 1990 to 93, was the fulcrum period not only for the world, but for the United States of America. I could spend an entire hour going back and tracing the developments that you and I are now facing as finding their root in the period from 1990 to 1993. 
It was in 1993 that in response to the Lord's call, we formed Save America Ministries to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation here in the United States of America. And because of that calling and this radio program that began as a result 27 years ago, this word is now being heard, actually heard, in over 113 countries around the world. In other words, what we are saying here on this program is perceived in many places of the world as highly relevant. Do you perceive it as highly relevant? Or are you completely caught up with Americanized thinking? I hope you'll stay tuned to the balance, the last uh, uh, quarter of the program today, when we are going to open up something that you will not hear anywhere concerning the eulogization of Mikhail Gorbachev. It's going to shock you. It's going to reveal something about this man and about his influence that nobody else is talking about, and it is vast. It goes to the very calling for a new world order. That's right, Mikhail Gorbachev. And the new world order in a particular way for implementation. In March of 1991, a referendum produced an overwhelming majority for preserving the Soviet Union as a renewed federation of equal sovereign republics. But six of the 15 republics boycotted the vote. So much for unification. Six years after entering the Kremlin, Gorbachev and his wife, Reza, sat imprisoned at their Crimean holiday home on the Black Sea. Their telephone lines were cut. A warship was anchored offshore. So much for peace. That August coup was mounted by a so-called emergency committee, including the FBI, I mean the KGB chief, prime minister, defense minister, and vice president. Sounds like what's happening right now in the United States of America with the FBI and the CIA conducting themselves exactly like the KGB and these folk did in Russia against Gorbachev. They feared a complete collapse of the communist system and sought to prevent power from draining away from the center to the republics, just as the Democrats in America and the globalist Republicans are terrified that Donald Trump would change things so uh, uh, dramatically in the heart of the country to protect us from the spirit of globalism that they are unwilling to let that happen and they will do anything that they can to prevent it. It's exactly the same spirit as took place there in August of 1991. 
in Russia. Ultimately, though, they failed. The coup failed. Assuming wrongly that they could rely on the party, the army, and the bureaucracy to obey orders as they did in the past. It wasn't some out, uh, tremendous victory for Gorbachev. It was just he was given another chance, at least to survive. Instead, it was the burly white-haired Yeltsin, Boris Yeltsin, who sees that moment standing atop a tank in central Moscow to rally thousands against the coup. When Gorbachev returned from Crimea, Yeltsin humiliated him in the Russian parliament and signed a decree banning the Russian Communist Party despite Gorbachev's protestations. So Gorbachev did not want to ban the Soviet Party, the Russian Communist Party. Boris Yeltsin did. So they had a moment of truth in the Valley of Decision, and it was a moment of confrontation, and Boris Yeltsin won the day among the people. Yeltsin in, Gorbachev out. On December 25th, 1991, the red flag was lowered over the Kremlin for the last time, and Gorbachev appeared on national television to announce his resignation. And now today in America, I notice that many flags have been lowered to half-mast in glorification and remembrance of Gorbachev. It's amazing. Very interesting to see how history sees itself. Free elections, a free press, representative legislatures, and a multi-party system had all become a reality under his watch. He said, here's what Gorbachev said, we opened up to the world, renounced interference in other countries' affairs, and the use of troops beyond our borders, and were met with trust, solidarity, and respect. Where did they get met with trust, solidarity, and respect? In the West, the democratized West. But the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, the first communist state and nuclear superpower that had sent the first man into space and cast its influence across the globe, was dead. It was no more. What a picture. What a history. While the world is praising Gorbachev's legacy, giving tribute, the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen took Twitter following the announcement of Mikhail's death, tweeting out a eulogy to the man she called a trusted and respected leader. While Gorbachev's policies resulted in the fall of the Soviet Union, the late president's tenure was marked by a thawing of relations with the West, and a handful of other Western leaders joined von der Leyen in mourning his passing. As would, by the way, if Ronald Reagan was still living, he would as well. U.N. Secretary General Guterres mourned Gorbachev as a, quote, towering global leader, committed multilateralist, and tireless advocate for peace, describing the Soviet leader's devotion to, quote, unity in diversity, as well as the pursuit of the path of negotiation, reform, transparency, and disarmament. 
UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson praised the courage and integrity he showed in bringing the Cold War to peaceful conclusion and also managed to get in a jab at Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin, concluding that Gorbachev's commitment to opening up Soviet society remains an example to us all. Actually, the truth is that Gorbachev was not actually committed to opening up Soviet society. He did it under pressure. He did not want to dismiss the Soviet Union. He did not want to dismiss Soviet communism. So what happened? We want to take a look at that when we get back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. The glorification of Gorbachev. Mikhail Gorbachev, who died yesterday at the age of 91. The event that he presided over basically ended in 1991 with the fall of the Berlin Wall, his receiving the Nobel Peace Prize Award for preventing a new Cold War and perhaps a nuclear war. A World War III. It would be hard to go back and criticize him for that, although his intentions were not what the world is giving him credit for. The world is giving him credit for being a champion of democracy. In fact, former Italian Prime Minister Berlusconi called him a champion of democracy, a man who changed the history of the 20th, uh, 20th century far-sighted, with serenity of judgment. Was it far-sighted and serenity of judgment, or did he capitulate to the inevitable? It's hard to know. Many are saying Gorbachev was a very complex man. Very complex indeed, and I agree with that. And we're going to see why that is more so, by the way, than anything we have talked about to date. When Gorbachev was 78, he honored the life of former President Ronald Reagan, who would have turned 100 years old on February 2011. So, in honor of Gorbachev, Newsmax went back and looked at one of the world's most celebrated leaders, who shaped 
global politics, that is, Gorbachev and Reagan. So in an interview to prepare for Reagan's February 2011 birthday anniversary, the president of Newsmax met with Gorbachev inside the Moscow-based Gorbachev Foundation office where discussion had covered the gamut from world leaders to nuclear tensions. The televised event celebrated how Reagan and Gorbachev came together in the 1980s to dramatically ease worries of nuclear war. President Gorbachev rarely rarely gave interviews, and this is one of the few he gave in his final years. But on this particular day, he was seemed to be very eager to share his recollections with dealing with Reagan at the height of the worldwide nuclear tensions. So, he said, that is, Gorbachev said, I am very pleased to talk about Reagan. He was a great president. After our first talk, he called me a dyed-in-the-wool Bolshevik, and I called him a dinosaur. So that was our first meeting, he said. That's interesting talk. But he said eventually we became good partners in the best sense of that word. Well, indeed, to some degree they did, even though Reagan stood there at the Berlin Wall and essentially ordered Mr. Gorbachev to tear down that wall. He said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. One of the most dramatic speeches in all of history. Some said that Mr. Gorbachev left a complicated legacy. Well, he did. In many ways, his his legacy is complicated. You can't just distill it and say he was just a great champion of democracy, which he was not. Putin detests Gorbachev because he broke up the Soviet Union. In fact, Gorbachev had a favorable rating of only 8% among Russians because they blame him for the loss of the greatness of the USSR and the hard times that they've had in transition to democracy and a market economy. So Gorbachev was a strong critic of Putin. He said Putin is moving in the wrong direction. And I understand that. On his deathbed, Gorbachev was lamenting the fact that Putin is reversing all the good that he tried to do for the country. (coughs) Interesting. But I want to shift now. I want to shift to a different focus. Again, concerning Mr. Gorbachev. But this is something that you probably have not heard and will not hear. But it's equally or perhaps more important than everything else we've talked about. In my latest book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, is a chapter called Environmental Deification. Environmental Deification. You say, well, what in the world could that possibly have to do 
with the former president of the Soviet Union. Friends, it has everything to do with it. And that's what's so unique here. You see, it's part of the great mystery, unveiling the mystery of the ages. Who was this Mikhail Gorbachev? Reagan thought he was on the verge of becoming a Christian. Several others thought that maybe he was on the the edge of becoming a Christian, but he responded and said, no, I am an atheist. He went to his deathbed on that conviction. So how do atheists think? What would an atheist do in order to try to bring hope without a true Messiah? What would an atheist do? That's what we want to look at here as we get into this final section of our program today concerning the glorification of Mikhail Gorbachev. Because actually, the glorification of Mikhail Gorbachev is in contradistinction to the glorification of God that the Bible calls for. Mikhail Gorbachev, in a subtle or not-so-subtle way, attempted to steal away the glorification of God for another purpose. A counterfeit Messiah. Now, You say, well, how can I find out more about that? Well, it's in my book, my brand new book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Friends, I tell you, this book is absolutely loaded with understanding, information and understanding that if we really knew these things, it would change our thinking. It would protect us from the massive deception that is coming upon the earth with regard to Messiah. This is the big issue of the world. The big issue of the world is not the Cold World, uh, Cold War. It's not nuclear power. It's not another Chernobyl. It's not even taxes. It's not even inflation. The big issue of the world is who is the Messiah and why is it that the majority on the planet will receive a counterfeit? That, from God's perspective, is the biggest issue of our time. It should be for you and for your children and grandchildren and pastors for your people. So here's the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages just officially came out five days ago. On our website, saveus.org, $22. I urge you to get a copy. Don't plan on sitting it down and reading it all one night. No, you need to absorb it. No more than one chapter at a time. It's written in such a way that you can read it in bits and pieces. That's how I need to read things. I, I just don't have time to sit down for hours and just read. I don't have that time. Maybe you don't either. Maybe you just don't have the patience to do it. Whatever, it's written in such a way that you can absorb it one section at a time without getting confused. So, it's on our website, saveus.org, Messiah. 
$22. Or you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, I believe, I can only tell you what I believe. It's not about selling books. It's about getting a message out as rapidly as possible. There are 24 books in a case. If you would like, like one of our listeners just did, to get a case of these books, to be able to give out to those that you care about, including perhaps your pastor or others that you care about, your family and so on, writing a special message in it to them from your own heart, we will give you a 30% discount on a case of those books. A 30% discount. So, you make the choice, and uh, we just want to do everything we can to get the message out as quickly as possible. And another way you can do that, by the way, is to tell other people about the program. How many people call us and say, I've told 10, 15, 20 people, maybe almost 100 people about this program? Why do they do that? Because they're convinced that what they're hearing here is truth. And they want those who they care about to get it. Do you? Are you willing? This is how we partner together. It's not just financial. It's also in embracing the substance of the message and getting the word out. We can't trust Twitter or any of these other media, Facebook or anybody like that, to get the message out. can't do that. That's your, that's your job. That's my job. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Would you be interested in finding out about the life and intentions of Mikhail Gorbachev over the past 30 years since he left being the president of the Soviet Union? It's the biggest piece of information that nobody is talking about and perhaps the most important of all. Would you believe that Mikhail Gorbachev 
the former president of the Soviet Union declared that the environmental crisis is the cornerstone for the new world order. He said that, my friends, with unmitigated clarity. He gave his life to that message. He was for a new world order, and from his position, his viewpoint, he believed that the foundation for the new world order was the environmental issue or crisis. Why would he do that? Because that's what an atheist would grab onto when he has nothing else to place his hope on. And that's why the unbelieving world, in the Western world, the cry is for climate change. This is the cry, the messianic cry of the Democrat Party in America and of the unbelieving Western world. Because they have no hope for a Messiah. This is the agency of the counterfeit Messiah. Let me share some things with you from my book, Messiah. Climate is everything, declared the cover of Time on April 28, 2021. But what does everything mean? Is the word climate somewhat of a euphemistic alternative to the term Mother Earth? Or does it have an even greater messianic import? The answer to that question reveals the supreme gravity of the global pursuit of religious environmentalism by Pope and politician alike. Yes, I said it correctly. Pope, Pope Francis, and the politicians alike, environmentalism, not the environment, environmentalism has become the new gospel of planetary salvation. Planetary salvation. The seductive, spiritualized glue to bind humanity in a fear-induced unity, thereby seducing mankind in unified worship of creation in hot pursuit of a resurrected Garden of Eden utopia to be achieved by a new world order. Now, that's my opening statement. I believe it's a very powerful opening statement, but we need to have something behind it to help us understand why this is such a big deal and how it connects with Mikhail Gorbachev. So here we go. In 1990, Mikhail Gorbachev, communist president of the former Soviet Union, won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work in ostensibly breaking up communism. In 1992, the year the Lord spoke to my heart to leave the practice of law, to plead his cause in the land as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation, Mikhail Gorbachev came to the United States to establish the International Foundation for Socioeconomic and Political Studies, better known as the Gorbachev Foundation. He came to the United States, friends. He didn't go to Russia. He didn't go to any of the former Soviet states. He didn't even go to Europe. He came to the United States. And where did he go? 
He went to the headquarter, his headquarters, formed at a former U.S. military base called the Presidio in San Francisco. And from there, he began to systematically unveil his blueprint for a world government. Now, what did that world government look like? It involved the manipulation of Earth's inhabitants into a new world order in the name of saving the planet from environmental catastrophe. He called for a restructuring of our economic, political, and religious views. Now, you thought it was Al Gore who was having the primary influence. No. It's Mikhail Gorbachev. Behind the scenes, he, as an atheist and the former president of the Soviet Union, who received a Nobel Peace Prize, lurking behind the scenes in a former military base of the United States through his Gorbachev Foundation, setting the stage for the new world order to govern the world for salvation of the world through an alternative or counterfeit Messiah. Mirroring this quest for a new spirituality, Gorbachev's website opened with these words. Listen to this. This is from his website. We need a new system of values, a system of the organic unity between mankind and nature, and the ethic of global responsibility. Notice there's no place in there for God. Gorbachev spoke as if he were a New Age Leninist, seeking to replace Christianity with a new religious order in which humanism that is central to communism and pantheism central to Eastern mysticism, all laced with Christianized terminology, combined to unify the planet for the greater goal of a new world order. And so he declared, these are his words, the environmental crisis is the cornerstone for the new world order. In other words, you build the new world order for a counterfeit salvation, a new global salvation for the world on the environment. Here was an international issue that involves strong feelings, making it easy to manipulate a naive and easily misled public, and so fostering international treaties. Now consider this. To that end, Mikhail Gorbachev fostered an all-encompassing planetary document called the Earth Charter. Have you ever heard about it? Have you heard about it from any of our politicians? Will you hear about any of this today in all of the glorification of Gorbachev? I think not. All of this must remain, shall we say, subterranean, hidden from view. Because this is the real issue. This is what Mikhail Gorbachev spent the last 30 years of his life doing. 
Here was an international issue that involved strong feelings, making it easy to manipulate a naive and easily misled public, thus fostering international treaties. And to that end, he formed a document called the Earth Charter. Now, Maurice Strong, the UN's top environmental activist, referred to that charter as, quote, a Magna Carta for Earth. Now, what was the Magna Carta? Remember back in 1215 A.D., King John meeting his uh, those at Runnymede that were contesting his authority, and it was the first document of freedom in the history of the Western world, 1215 A.D., in Runnymede, England. King John. A Magna Carta. That's what was signed there. A Magna Carta. Now, Maurice Strong, the UN's top environmental activist, refers to this Earth Charter put forth by Gorbachev as the Magna Carta for Earth. In other words, the Freedom Statement for the Earth. Gorbachev went even further, describing the Charter as a new set of rules to guide humanity. Oh, he went even further than that. He stated, perhaps blasphemously, my hope is that this charter will be a kind of Ten Commandments, a Sermon on the Mount that provides a guide for human behavior toward the environment in the next century and beyond. Now you can talk about the Paris Climate Agreement. You can talk about what happened down there in Rio de Janeiro in 1992, you can talk about all of those things in the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. You can talk about Obama and Pope Francis joining hearts and votes for the United Nations adoption of the 2030 Agenda, which has as its foundation environmentalism. But behind the scenes, it was Mikhail Gorbachev. Hmm. Now what do you think about the glorification of Mikhail Gorbachev? Now what do you think? It's not just about defaming Mikhail Gorbachev from a spiritual standpoint. It's about understanding the greater picture of what's happening on this planet from God's viewpoint. It's telling us, friends, we are right on the near edge of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the world is intent upon creating a counterfeit and environmental deification from Mikhail Gorbachev's viewpoint was the cornerstone for the coming New World Order. Is anybody listening? Now, what is your cornerstone? You can say very easily, well, Jesus Christ is my cornerstone. Really? If he's your cornerstone, are you living accordingly? Would anybody know that from the way you live your life, other than the fact you go to church two or three times a year, or maybe a month? Who is the cornerstone of your life? Jesus said, Seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other things will be added unto you. Why is it we are so prone, even as Christians in America and around the world, to seek everything but the kingdom of God and certainly not his righteousness? Who do we really want to be our king? Who do we really want to be our Messiah? We are so easily seduced, aren't we? We just are. Human beings are easily seduced. And that's the reason why all the warnings of Scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament are to professing believers or those who claim that God is indeed the creator of heaven and earth. They're not to unbelievers because unbelievers disbelieve already. The warnings are not to the Mikhail Gorbachevs of the world because he himself, when given the opportunity to declare whether or not he was a Christian or not, denied it and said, no, I am an atheist. Even though some people with hope, like Ronald Reagan, wanted to think perhaps that he was moving in the direction of following Christ, said no. That's why, friends, at the very heart of Mikhail Gorbachev's life for the past 30 years has been his effort to set the foundation for a new world order that would be governed by a counterfeit messiah. The chief cornerstone being environmentalism. Thanks for joining us here on the program. I trust that this has been helpful. Uh, Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, if you want to make a a gift to help us to continue on. Uh, Get a copy of the book, Messiah, $22, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Let's get the message out. Come on, folks. Isn't it time we join together and prepare the way of the Lord together? God bless you. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.